This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to this special episode of the Worth Your Time podcast on Facebook Live. I'm so excited to be here uh, with Alexandra Hoover tonight. Alexandra, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Hi, I'm so glad to be here. I'm finally, like, it's happening. It's finally happening. I know. We've been going back and forth for some time. But man, when you've got two moms... Yeah, little kids, and we're working, and we're just yeah. trying to navigate pandemic world. It's really hard to actually like find a time to do it. It is really hard, but we've made it, and I'm I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes, thank you so much. So let's get started by tell us a little bit about you and your family, where you live, just sort of the ins and outs of who Alexandra is. Sure. So um, I'm Alexandra Hoover. I am married to Maria Hoover. We live in Charlotte, North Carolina. We've been married for about like 11-ish years or so, been together for a little bit over that. I know, I'm like, like when is our anniversary? Who knows? Those, yes. We've got three kiddos. Uh, Layla is eight, Kingston is seven, and Sophia is four. I had to think about that. I always do. I feel no shame on that either. (laughs) Yes. I serve and work at Transformation Church um, in Indian Land, South Carolina, which is right outside of Charlotte. Um, it's led by Pastor Derwin Algray. Um, he's incredible. I've been there for about five-ish years or so, like on staff, and have been at the church a little bit over six and a half years now. And then outside of that, whenever God gives time, I use my words um, as he leads. So it's writing and speaking and teaching, um, devotionals, etc. Kind of wherever he leads, I pray and then follow. That's awesome. Now, are you guys meeting in person yet, or is your church still out? Yeah, so we are not meeting in person yet. We're still out. So a lot of what we're doing is discipleship online and digital connection. And it's been a little bit of a pivot for us. Uh, We'd already started our kind of like our online broadcast strategy pivot a while back, honestly. So that was a little bit of a grace for us, um, especially with the size of our church. So it wasn't Mm -hmm. much of a pivot for us. Our people were already kind of ready and used to um, broadcast and online discipleship. But this kind of just pressed us to really dig in and see how we could better serve our online people and families. So, yes. So what is your position at the church? Yeah. So I right now serve as the equipping assistant director, which really means um, discipleship, just helping people get discipled um, in a few different ways. And I also work with Pastor Derwin, um, which is such a gift on his books, on his book team. Oh, very cool. Um, well, okay. I'll just pivot to that now that you, congratulations. You just announced that you got a book deal this week. That's amazing. Yes. I'm so excited. Yeah. The announcement, um, I joke around with like a few friends that I waited to actually like say it out loud. Yeah. Just because I backed out. (laughs) Oh man. Just because it was such, um, it was, it's a really, um, I'll put it like this. My, um, my, Instagram post and I think my Facebook post said it really well and I'll try to condense it. I I prayed for something like this for God to have, allow for my words to be published so that I could make much of him. Now, mm-hmm. I surrendered that dream over for a while. Um season, timing, kids, etc. and I was very careful with um was it a desire that was really from him? Was it a mm-hmm. God 
dream? Was it a me dream? Um, had he called me to it? And so when God said yes, right now in the middle of a pandemic, while I'm e-learning with my 800 kids at home while working <laughs> on my job, seemed really off for me um, because obviously I had a plan and God's like, LOL, that's not what we're going to do. Right. So it was, um, it came as a surprise, like a really sweet surprise answered prayer in like the most unexpected time. I prayed about writing a book at around 36. That was like my age. Like mm-hmm. at 36, I'm going to write a book. My I kind of timed out how old my kids would be mm-hmm. um, bandwidth and margin purposes. Yeah. So like, well, I'll have this much bandwidth because my youngest will be in X, you know, X grade. Um, so when we started talking through the process and the possibility of me being published, being age, um, I'm like, Lord, right now? Yeah. Right now? Is it, is it right now, God? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I announced it this week. I first announced it with my um, with my TC family. I think it was last Tuesday at like our discipleship time for our church and then, or our staff, I'm sorry. And then um, took a few days to pray on it again. I'm like, okay, I'm going to tell the world. Here we go. And so I, I announced it. And the response and the encouragement has been just, honest to God, just mind blowing. Like I'm so yeah. humbled. I'm so grateful. I'm so overwhelmed by it all. So did you have a very specific idea of what you wanted to write or was the process more organic? Like they came to you or how did that work? Yeah. So yes and no. Um, I've always, I am a writer and so I conceptualize ideas often and I'm thinking through um, everything really that from what I read to what I can teach, how I can speak it, et cetera. So book ideas, I think God had always been kind of pouring in me um, for a while now. And there had been a specific theme that God was really harping on my heart, which was the theme of this book, Um, especially in the last like two years or so. um, And for me, the theme was, in my mind's eye, the the theme seemed kind of um, like unattractive for women's ministry and men's Mm -hmm. ministry we're going to talk about, which was the sovereignty of God Mm -hmm. and bringing that to a place where people can really digest it. Yeah, because we weren't talking about like following your dreams and going to get whatever you wanted, and a lot of um, what we have seen, and not in the last decade, decade or so, but probably in the last twenty years, um, especially women's ministry, it was just really watered down. Not at the effects of women or because of women. I think it was just what women thought they could do mm-hmm. um, within the context of like teaching in the local church and discipling. And so, really, when I thought about the concept of this book and how I could disciple like the people of God, he really impressed on me his sovereignty mm-hmm. um, and who he is. And so, that has been kind of like ruminating in me for like the last two years, because um, that's one of the questions I've always wrestled with is um, two things. I believe that God is good, just not to me. And looking at his sovereignty and wondering um, why do bad things really happen? And mm-hmm. so, that led me to then look. Um, at his at his character, like inevitably, like who do I believe God is? Do I believe He says who He really who He is? Um, and what am I believing about God? Which is really what the book will kind of walk us through um, as we look at the stones of remembrance of our lives, which leads us to the empty grave, which speaks volumes of God's love for His family. Right? Yeah. That so sounds, yeah. Good. So that so that's kind of what He's been doing in me, and then the publishing. Um, conversation happened through really just a, a God a God thing. 
it was um, an email. It kind of went back and forth and said, hey, we'd love to talk to you if you have um, any ideas on um, book ideas, concepts, something that God's doing in you. And I was like, you know what? I actually do. I have something, I think. And we kind of went from there. Well, you know, it's really, I'm not saying that it's definitely God if a publishing company reaches out to you, but, but it's, definitely it's a good sign. <laughs> Just because, you know, most people are like trying to figure out how do I get them to notice me? Um, yeah. But I, you know, I've been following you for quite some time and I've really noticed you sort of um, get, I guess, being a little more intentional about what you've been posting. Yeah. And, um, and so I think that's really, I mean, not that I'm, I don't want to analyze your social media, no, but, but I, I can see that intentionality, like making a difference. And yeah. I was curious as I am a writer as well. Um, yeah. And, you know, I love your, you know, you put up a little snippet of what you've written, like either a tweet or something like that. And you said you listen to God and you follow sort of his um, guidance on what to write. What yep. does that look like? Is that like you wake up in the morning and you're hearing it and you're like, I've got to write it down right now. Or like, how do you translate that um, so, on a day-to-day -day basis? This is so fun for me. So I, two things. So what a lot of, unless people have kind of been following me for a while around, so I turned 30 in 2019, November 2019, I turned 30. And I felt the Lord around that time um, asked me to like take a sabbatical. And even before that, I'd already taken a sabbatical from writing from um, Proverbs 31. So I was doing devotions for them pretty consistently for a while and felt the Lord say, hey, like, hey, I, I think this, this needs to go for a little bit. So I laid that down for a while. And around November, I felt him say, hey, I think all of it really needs to go. Like, I think you need to get off social media. I think you need to stop writing for people. I think you need to just rest. And there was a lot of inner work that was attached to uh, people pleasing um, and this fear of like deep rooted rejection that I lived from um, all, all spanning back to just like really, really hard childhood wounds that the Lord was just trying to heal. And so I heard, I heard that and it was clear and it was just an angst that I carried. And so around the end of the year, probably like January, I was like, hey guys, I'm taking a sabbatical. Like, I'm not really sure when I'm coming back. And I'd plan on coming back like in a year. Like I'm super drastic. I'm either like all in or all out. So I'm like, forget it. Forget <laughs> social media. If this, I don't want any of it, God, I surrender it all. Uh, so between that time, I was really intentional about just listening to what he was saying. And the work that happened not to like over spiritualize or make it like, or like romanticize those few months. Um, but they were, they were grueling and at the same time, like incredibly fruitful um, because I had to wrestle with a lot of things that I, I felt like the Lord was like kind of finishing his chipping of like, mm. he kind of been like uh, hammering away at it. And I feel like between those months, he took like a jackhammer mm. just uprooted the whole thing. And so coming back from that sabbatical is when I really decide, like I resolved in myself um, and really more so I, I allowed God to resolve that in me is the reality of that, whatever it was. And, and mm -hmm. I, it was my identity. It was really my identity and what he'd called me to and how to best serve um, what God had called me to, like in general, starting with my family and then my local church and then the spheres of influences that he um, has given me in any space. So that's something that I think oftentimes writers or people just in general miss um, is this the surrender piece too. And that's mm -hmm. not a surrender of like, 
I trust you. It's, I think it's a, it's a resolve to really believe that what he has for us is better than what we can make for ourselves. Yeah. That is, that is, that's like a posture of the heart that has to change. And I believe that only changes when we can press into whatever thing he's asking for us to look at face to face. Um, so yeah, I know we were talking through like my writing and my my voice kind of, be, or I guess being more intentional, but that all came from those few months. Wow, that's really cool. So when you're writing and you're putting together the stuff, I don't know how often you're posting or if you have a schedule. Yeah. Um, is it, how, how um, I guess, much time goes by between you writing that and then you putting it up? Cause you're putting like a shorter snippet and then you're yeah. writing like a longer piece to go with it. And yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just curious about that process. I'll answer that and I'll answer your other question too. I'll answer the first one you asked, which is how do I write my posts? Which I think is something that a lot of writers want to know about. So let me answer that one first. I, I think, for example, like I don't, the last few days I've been really consumed with like my home and my kids e-learning and my, and my first job, which is transformation church and my call there, my kids, my family, et cetera. So posting on Instagram always for me is like an overflow of like what, whatever's left over mm-hmm. from, for Alexander Hoover, that's how that works. And so oftentimes what happens is I note take in my phone throughout the day, convictions, things that I feel really strongly about, things that I'm reading, things that I'm learning, things that I hear him say throughout the day. If, some, if he impresses like an idea on me or something he's trying to tell me, I just write it down on my phone um, to where when I do have bandwidth to post or to share that I can look at those. And usually, usually I'll know exactly what I want to say when I go, when I, when I go to post, I don't do, this is like <laughs> to all of the writers that are listening, this is probably not what you should do. But I will tell you, um, I really don't batch batch work. Mm. I really That's don't. Hard. Uh, it's and it's yes. And for me, um, I it's not because I think it's strategic and probably really wise of any business owner, um, ministry person, et cetera, to do that. Um, I just don't. And so <laughs> just kind of go, I honestly go like. As it comes, I put it in my notes, and I guess it's a form of batch working in itself. But I look at right and see what I have and what God said, and then if I got something new, I'll just post that. But anywho, that's that first question. And then what was the other question? Um, I think yeah, I think kind of the posting of yeah, the long form. You know, I guess that's sort of probably within that same process, though. It is. So I um. Here's what I want to, I guess, caution with, because for a, a really long time, I kind of obsessed about like long form, short form. Are people going to read long form? Mm-hmm. Are they going to look at the short form? What do they need? I think that it's really important to ask God what he wants you to share and how he wants you to share it. Um, I know that for people, yet it's a lot easier to put something up that's um, the heart of your words. And then in the caption, you unpack it for somebody. It's almost like, it's almost like when you're teaching a sermon, you kind of cast the vision up front and then you spend the rest of the time unpacking it for them as you walk them through your points, Mm kind of laid out like that, or how you would lay out a book structure or propose kind of like anything just needs a flow and you're pointing them to one message, which would be that short form, um, kind of meme message that you put up. Um, other people that I know don't you do that and they just post like a beautiful photo of something um, and then they unpack whatever it is that they're trying to share in the caption 
that for me got really exhaustive and not to say that I won't do it ever again. I'm sure that I will. Um, but like trying to find like pretty pictures to mm-hmm. post and like edit them correctly. Perfect picture, yeah. I just, I just don't have the time for it. Like it's not realistic for me in the season that I'm in and also did not want to spend my time oh, like consumed by that. Yeah, yeah. So you, you've been in women's ministry specifically uh, on your website said you've done a lot of women's ministry and and you're speaking to a lot of women online, obviously. Um, What would you say sort of, if you had to boil down your message to women, what is it? I think my message to women is that you've got a good father who loves you and has, and is enough for you. Mm. Um, And I know that, Oftentimes when you're talking to, I think in that you find identity and that you find surrender and that you find the completed work of the cross and that you find God's heart before his local church. I think whenever I'm talking to a group of women or anyone really, but women specifically, I think there is um, a misconception of women's role in the church, women's um, positioning in the kingdom, um, the power that God has given us as daughters. And how the power of our identity like frees us up in the kingdom to be whole and healed in him, to love our families. Well, that's our first ministry to love our kids. Well, our people, our friends, our church. Um, That's really my message in anything that I do is really pointing them back to the cross. I always laugh and giggle because, um, and I hope people like see it on my, in my stories, like I just only talk about Jesus or like, <laughs> or like dry humor because I just don't have anything else. I don't know. I have nothing else to point people to because I have not, I have no good, like I'm, I can offer like really great like rhythm suggestions and I can, I can help women strategize and I can coach them on like business and ministry. But at the end of the day, like I just, I, I don't know anything else that's worked for me, but Jesus. So that is my message in anything. So what is your Jesus story? When did you meet Jesus? Yeah. So gosh, this has been one of those questions that I've had to like wrestle with for a really long time in different spaces. Cause it's one, of, it's when I get asked, like, tell us your testimony. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Cause I never ask anyone that, but I just, yeah, I don't know. I thought I would ask. Story is this, I'll give you like cliff notes version. Um, which is a part of why the sovereignty of God is such a big deal for me in my life and why I feel so much conviction to help others understand. Um, I did not grow up in the local church. I did not grow up in like a Christian home per se. I think I was influenced by the faith somehow, Um, but it wasn't like the core of our home and it wasn't um, healthy in that sense either. Right. So I, when I was around nine years old, um, there, I did have, um, kind of what you, you, you can call like an encounter, right. With like the faith. Mm-hmm. And I was at a church where my mom kind of started attending and it was my aunts. Um, my aunts attended this church. It was a local church in uh, Springfield, Virginia. And I believe that God used that year to kind of begin to sow seeds in my life. And I see that as like an Ebenezer in my life because he began to show me hindsight. Now looking back, I can see like the traces of grace that kind of followed me. So I, at nine, I remember kind of giving my life to Jesus and really being overwhelmed um, with the faith and the gospel. However, that was kind of like my last year in the church until I was 18 again. Mm. 
So in transition between like nine and 18, I never really stepped foot again in a church um, and really wasn't like connected to the faith. I had like probably a, a few, maybe like days or so here and there between like my lifespan between nine and 18 that I attended a church. Right. Um, but never was I like fully connected to like the father and the gospel. Um, so in the meantime, though, between those times, God continued to like send people to like impress himself on me. So I learned because one of my biggest kind of tension points in my faith was when I wrestled with it. I think I was agnostic for a long time mm-hmm. and I, I didn't have like words for it. But I looking at like 16 to 18 year old Alex, like for sure agnostic, like. I know that there's something, but I don't know what. Um, so I had to learn how to wrestle with like the really hard pieces. And so God began to show me like his hand of grace through like people and relationships, like my school nurse who was not a believer. Um, however, the woman I know the Lord used to like save my life like multiple times because I was reckless in high school. And she was there to like speak life and encouragement. And I see that in like, she was the hands and feet of Jesus. She was the Imago Dei and she didn't even know it. Mm. There are a lot of those moments in my life that I think often as people we miss because we, and we think the father's like not working on our behalf. Fast forward to 18, I am living in Charlotte, North Carolina and make a long story short, I, I honest to God, I just feel so, so like overwhelmed and convicted. Um, and for, honestly, for no apparent reason, like I can't tell you why, um, but I wanted to go back to church. There are a lot of hard things happening in my life at that time, which usually will kind of draw us to find like the faith of some sort. Yeah. Um, I knew that Jesus hadn't been introduced to me. And I knew at that point that he was probably real. And so I went to like a little church in Charlotte somewhere um, and recommitted my life to Christ. Just by yourself. By myself. <laughs> wow. Yes. And did you continue going to that church? So we, I did for a few years and then we transitioned out. God called us somewhere else. Actually, by that point, I'd met my husband who was attending a different church. Okay. And ended up obviously attending church with him. So, yeah. Um, so at what point did you, because I love your, I love your commitment to the local church and you're referring to it a lot. And I have such a heart for the church as well. Um, And, you know, just in the past couple of years, I have just really begun to study what that means for individuals and for society. And I have all this data and all these facts about, you know, the good of it spiritually, but also, um, you know, spiritually, relationally, and then for society and for communities. Um, I mean, it's just all around an incredible um, thing. And yet we see, um, and I like honing in on women in particular, I've seen statistics showing that women in particular are, they're rising in terms of leaving church. Like uh, the statistic I saw Mm -hmm. said that, um, you know, men have always been sort of at a set pace and like the men and women are like growing, like women are more. And so they're almost about getting to be the same in terms of how many are leaving. Um, And specifically, there's actually like a group of like women who consider themselves Christians that are leaving the church, which is so interesting. Um, And so, yeah. And so I'm sure that you probably are, have read all the same things that I have, but I guess I just want to ask you, why do you love the church? Why is the church worth yes. your time? Yes. And um, why should someone who is, uh, I mean, there's a lot of people that are, they're thinking about it. They're like, I should go back. 
you know? So anyway, that's a big question, but I would love to get your answer. I I love that question. I actually have been thinking a lot about, so uh, here's, here's something that I think, let me start with this. I think often um, when people are introduced to the faith, they're not really taught ecclesiology. And that's just a big word for the church, right? Mm -hmm. I know the ecclesia, I'm sorry. Um, yeah. And yes, the ecclesiology, which is the theology of it. And, and let me let me say it in like. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group? teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. Very, like, layman terms, right? So we don't understand that Jesus died so that we could be the bride of Christ. And because we miss that and what that means, or it's not taught, I think the way that Christ intended for it to be taught, we miss um, the invitation to be a part of the kingdom within the body. So for anyone who's listening, you've got the universal church, which is just the ch- like the body, right? We are all the church. And then you've got like your little seat, like your local church. And a part of our role like in the kingdom is to not, not only are we already the church that we're called to be the hands and feet of the church locally. And what's happened from what I can tell. And I, I mean, my pastor has talked about this, I think umpteenth times from the very beginning of time, you look at the book of Genesis, God promised Abraham a family. And that was a family of many nations. And so every nation, tribe, and tongue, it was to be uh, God's multi-ethnic church and the way that he desired for his family to look and to be. And it was that way, right? Hindsight, we're in 2020 and God is piecing back together like this very broken image of the bride. And I think it's because we don't understand the richness of it. And from someone who has experienced um, what people like to, I think, call church hurt, right? Mm-hmm. I've experienced hurt in the church. I think we attach church hurt to the local church and that's not fair Mm. Uh, because people are people. And I'm not talking about unhealthy leadership. I'm talking about in the context of being in community with people in a local church, you're, you're most likely something's going to happen, right? That might impact you, hurt you, but that's the body of Christ. He's not calling us to utopia. We're all broken vessels. The way that I've hurt somebody, somebody will hurt me we're all in the process of sanctification. So I love the church because it's the image of Christ and also reminds us of our need for Christ in the midst of our community and our relationships. There's no way that we can do kingdom work without the body. It's us. It's not just me. 
And that is something so crucial and so pinnacle that we miss. And we think that the gospel is like this very, uh, it's almost like an ATM machine for us to get whatever we want. And we miss, we miss, it's like almost like we water down the work Mm -hmm. of the cross. We really do. And I think people will say that, or, or even women, they're, they're almost like disenfranchised, I think, with the church, like they're heartbroken by the state of the church, the division in the church. They're heartbroken by the state of it. No doubt. Like, I feel that. I feel it. No, like a, a thousand percent. Like I'm blessed to be a part of a local church that I can say a thousand percent. Like we're working to bring like reconciliation on every end. We don't attach like, a political party to who we are. We know that God is the only one that we answer to. And it's not the donkey or the, or, or the elephant, it's the lamb. And that for someone, that for believers is like a make it or break it. And mm. that's really hard when you're a part of a local church to hear that it almost like, it feels like an attack on them. I think that's another reason why. And then I think honestly, a lot of millennials and Gen Zers are looking for substance. Um, and a lot of what they've gotten is just self-help, prosperity gospel. And when their dreams don't come to fruition, they're hurting. Um, they're made promises about their dreams coming true when God never said that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're made promises of healing um, physically or et cetera um, when they're in their relationships and they forget that there's this thing called free will and that we live in a fallen and broken world, right? And so those, I think it's just bad theology and a bad understanding of what God's called his bride to be. Yeah. I think so many people, well, well, the interesting part, again, me with the statistics is always what I have, but the interesting thing is that even those people that have left the church, um, maybe even say they don't want to go back or you you get a lot of the, um, I don't need church to have a relationship with God. You get a lot of that kind of commentary. Um, Every statistic show that these people say they want a better relationship with God and they want a deeper spiritual life. Um, Mm -hmm. And so much of the time I'm thinking that, you know, God provides that within the church. And so it's like, they've got to go to get there. Um, so what, what would you say to someone who maybe is on the fence? Like maybe they're thinking about going again, but they have been hurt in the past and like they, they would like to maybe give it another chance, but they're scared. I would say to them, um, gosh, this is so tender for me. Cause I feel them. I would, I would remind them of, I would say two things to them. Um, A thousand percent, like Christ dwells in us. We are in union with Christ. Um, Yes, we don't have to go physically to the building. However, um, when looking at God's heart for a family, he's called us to be in community. And there is no argument for that. Like nobody can combat that. And it's not because we have to, it's because we get to. Because in community, there's relationship and connection and people who carry your burdens with you. Uh, it's a family and it's where we get uh, to grow together. And there's just nothing like it. There really isn't anything like it. And it's a gift that we have to really press into. Um, I would say that. And then I would say um, to pray, to find a church that you feel um, is where God is leading you. I would say be intentional about finding a church, be intentional about praying, um, commit to what God is telling us about the church, that it's an invitation to be in a family and that we get to play a, 
a bigger role in serving the people. Yeah, I think that's great. Thanks for indulging my church questions. You're welcome <laughs> for them. Oh man. So what is, um, I guess next for you, when does the book come out? Um, yeah. what can we expect from, from your camp? Yeah. So, um, I, the book, I think we're talking about it coming out in spring of 2022. Mm -hmm. So I need, I would need all the prayers from whoever, <laughs> listening, including you. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, that for me, I was actually just talking to Pastor Derwin about that earlier and really like a handful of friends. I feel so called to vocational ministry and also to writing and mm -hmm. being like people in general and discipleship that it's going to take some finessing for sure. As far as like what's next with like time, time management and bandwidth um, in the next year and a half or so, I know that I will have to kind of pull back some on probably the use of my time and other writing projects to be able to focus on writing the book. Yeah. And honestly, Erica, I'm just asking Jesus to show me. Like, I know that's yeah. so hyper-spiritual, but honestly, like, I'm like, Lord, I, I'm believing that you're going to show me like what I need to do next week. And so there's a lot of reevaluating for me, a lot of like day by day, week to week things like that's it. That's what I'll yeah. be doing next year. A lot of surrendering it on Friday, looking at it on Sunday and being like, okay, is this what we've got this week? Let's go. We'll get yeah. Well, it sounds, I mean, there's not a lot of ways to do it, but that sounds like a, a good one. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's all I've got. Lord, tell me what's, what's here for this week. And also, I mean, I know that my family, my kids, my community and my church will come first. And so after that will come, um, will come book writing and the margins and in the space that I have, that's when this book is going to be birthed. So Holy Spirit, breathe new life over it. <laughs> Please. Where, uh, where are your margins now? Do you get up early? Do you stay up late? Oh God. Okay. So I used to stay up late. So let's talk post, no, pre pandemic. Okay. Yeah. Different mm -hmm. lives, different lives. Pre pandemic. I was thriving. I okay. look back and be like, man, I was doing so good. <laughs> look at me. I would, go to bed early. I'm, I would wake up early. I would work out in the mornings. I mean, I was like hitting all the markers. Girl. And then the, the Corona happened, then pandemic. And so my life has looked really different since the kids have been home. My margins right now um, have mostly been in the evenings because they get up really early and I would have to get up at like 5.30, probably about 5.30 to write. So as of last week, or yes, last week kind of ended my working and writing at night kind of season. This week, I have a goal of going to bed by like 1030, wrapping up whatever needs to happen and starting to wake up at six. We're going to start at six every day at six. And for an hour, I'm going to dedicate my time to writing because the kids will start getting up right at seven. So mm. we'll see how that works. And I've got two other days a week that I'm going to commit to writing like writing day. So I'll head probably to Starbucks. Um, so I don't really like writing at home that much. I know that sounds probably funny. No, I'm exactly the same way. Although I don't even know it, like at least here, our Starbucks still don't let you sit in them right now. So ours just started. Ours just let people sit and there's like, like limited seating. So yeah. I like to get a desk, a little chair, a chair, a table, whatever they've got for me, a bar stool. I just want to take it. <laughs> 
Yeah, for, just get you got to get out of your house. I mean, that's I, where I, I am I too. Do I really do? So that that's my hope. Um, I think I'll be writing in all the Martins morning, night. Um, definitely between the hours though of like seven thirty to five thirty. Absolutely, like nothing's happening unless there's already like yeah. a scheduled um, or writing that's fleshed out. Highly unlikely that I'll be doing anything. Are your kids? Um, they they have any in person schooling right now? <sighs> no. <laughs> no. Is it just because of you live in the city? Um, yeah. So yes, our our city, our our county has not um, allowed for in person. Oh. In person. Okay. Ours just uh, started last week. So, but my kids are not even old enough to be in school. So. <laughs> yes. Oh gosh, Lord bless us all. Um, yeah. Our school district just decided that. Um, they are, are thinking about allowing some kiddos to go back August or no, October 12th would be like first round. And then I think our kids, if they go back um, per what like the city is saying, they'd go back in November. So if that, if they do get some sort of like in-person um, uh, teaching, then my life will change. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I can't even, I can't even imagine. My sister's got four and um, two of them are school age. So she's doing, um, she's doing that and working as well. So yeah, so I get her, I get all of us. You get it. Yeah. We all sort of get it on a parenting level. I guess on that note, um, and, and I am going to wrap it up here in a second, but, um, what, you know, can you think of anything like just looking back since March, like what have you learned? Like mm. as a parent, like, is there anything that you've taken from this that you don't think that you would have taken had we not been forced into this situation? Oh my gosh. As a parent. Okay, this is one thing that I've heard like the Holy Spirit impress on me probably since, okay, so the night that we kicked off e-learning, that my kids will, my, my children are going to remember um, my, my flexibility, my surrender, um, my willingness to pivot, they're going to remember um, my willingness to give in situations, my flexibility more than my structure. Mm. and that I have to re like release control of, of mm -hmm. everything and that they're going to remember that more and how we were able to move through those things um, than they will my structure. And that honestly is like a sermon and the teaching in itself for like everybody in every season. Like I think yeah. there's so much more and I've learned that it is so hard for me because I'm so, I'm so, I, I, live for like rhythm and control. Um, but they're not going to remember that they're going to remember how I was able to, um, give grace and be flexible, um, and surrender plans and say, Hey, we're going to have to pivot today. That's, that's what they're going to. Yeah. It's like the, the epitome of like the world's greatest bit of wisdom was just, just like, be here now. And just like, it's real. just be here. And like, don't yeah. be somewhere else, whatever it may no. be. Yeah. I, um, I remember posting something the night before my kids, um, before we started e-learning. E and I remember they wanted to go play with our neighbors. And it was late for like a school. And it was like 740. Um, and, I, and the neighbors were outside kind of like riding their bikes. At their, uh, their cousin was in town. And I, I just, I felt so led to be like, yeah, go outside. Go outside. Yeah. Have some fun. And that was so unlike me. But I... I really wanted them to see how different like this was going to have to be for us. Like our whole mm -hmm. family. Like if I felt 
that they were like overwhelmed or stressed, then I need to give and allow room for like running and playing and being instead mm-hmm. of always creating like a structure that would just inhibit them from being kids. Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, okay, so last couple questions, which is just, what have you been reading? What have you been loving? Uh, podcast, TV, anything? I love book suggestions. So yes, yes, yes. Okay, so gosh, I wish I. Okay, so Gary Thomas, um, his books, his book on um, when to know. I think it's when to know when to walk away. It's about toxic relationships in general and it talks about it from like a biblical perspective especially in ministry um vocational ministry etc so that that's been wonderful um i am rereading uninvited by lisa turkhurst um yeah because um i feel like that's one of her greatest storytelling books and i and in the midst of me writing a book, I need to remember how to tell a good story. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's great. So I'm rereading that right now. And I'm reading through the book of Hebrews with my church, um, which is amazing. The book of Hebrews is one of my ultimate favorite books. Um, and there's one more book and I can't remember the name of it, but that's basically like the three right now that are like on my coffee table. That I'm yeah. I'm always reading like three at a time. Yes. I'm going to start rereading um, the Holies of Holies by um, A.W. Tozer. Oh, okay. Yes. I think it's the Holies of Holies. So you probably don't read a lot of fiction, do you? No, but you'll be, I don't, but I just had a conversation. I just bought a fiction book. And I think it's called The Fire Within Her. Okay. The Fire Within Her. And it's about um, a Latina woman who goes through some, like some hardships. My friend picked it up. I'm going to Google it right now because I need to I need to tell you. I think it's The Fire. No, The Fire Within Her. Let's see. No, it's not called. I don't know. Ah, I'll have to tell you. You'll you can update us later if you find yeah. it. Yes. Yeah. I mean, reading, I, I, oh my gosh, I, cause there's just such a long list of nonfiction that I want to read. And I've been like just reading about so many books about the church and there's just so many great books in, yeah. in that Christian nonfiction world that I just have stacked. That I'm always, like, sometimes I'm like, okay, like you need something else before you go to bed. You need to chill out. And I don't, okay. So I've been watching Harry Potter recently for that exact reason. Yeah. That's a good one. And I, yeah, I had a TV show that I was really into, and now I've finished that. So yeah. um, do you have any shows or podcasts that you can? Uh, podcasts. I love listening. So my uh, marinade on that is my pastor's podcast. He just kicked it back off. Love listening to that. Um, Annie F. Downs. That sounds fun. Yes, of course. Love <laughs> Annie Downs. Right, like a classic. Um, I really enjoy listening to the Village Church's podcast. Um, know about knowing uh, knowing faith. That's really great. Um, that's kind of it right now that's circulating through my podcast reel. Are there any, um, I guess, speakers or people that you're really mm-hmm. listening to right now, not outside of podcasts, but just yeah. people that you think are doing a great job um, just sort of navigating the cultural space? I, I know you've written yeah. a couple of things you, I've seen you like sort of touch on. You said something about like our politics should inform our faith, but faith should inform our politics, you know, um, people in that space that you um, are following? Yes. um, There are two. So I'll say my pastor, Pastor Derwin, like forever and ever, he, he, he always is 
um, talking about that. So Derwin L. Gray, um, Rich Villodas, I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Um, Rich Villodas. name sounds familiar. Yeah, he um, is incredible and is and is really spending time kind of walking this um, this culture through, and I think this generation through the local church and the heart of it and what he's called us to or God's called us to. Ashley um, Eland. Okay. Um, she is an associate pastor over at Mars Hill. I've loved learning from her recently and following along. Um, she's just wise and and tempered and just the way that she walks with people is is so incredible. Um, and then a friend um, by the name of Sharia. And she is under, I think it's the Coco Gospels on Instagram. And learning from her too has been as we get. They're all very like, um, biblically uh, centered, theologically sound folks that you guys can look to, to kind of help navigate um, everything that's going on. All right. Alexander, thank you so much. Yeah. I really, I'm so glad I got to meet you in person. Yeah. It will kind of in person. Right. Um, and much. yeah, pretty much. I mean, these days, like Zoom yeah. counts as, it totally. you know. <laughs> Um, but I'm looking forward to your book. I know it's not tw until 2022, but um, it'll be here before you know it. And yeah. gosh, hopefully we'll be back to a little bit more normal by then. I hope so. I hope so. And I'm hoping I, to do like an actual real life book launch. Yes. Conflict party. You should do yeah. that. Get and a like launch a team, life, all like of that a, stuff. Like a real life like book tour. So like maybe. Totally. Maybe in 2022 we'll get there. That would be awesome. All right. Well, I appreciate your time You're and your heart. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. Okay. I think we're. This episode was brought to you in part by United We Pray. United We Pray is a podcast devoted to praying and thinking about racial strife, especially between Christians. Come join us in praying for the unity of God's people.